Welcome to Creating Forward, a podcast encouraging conversations, collaborations driven by the desire to engage and inspire creativity. Before I mention today's guest, I'd like to know our conversation did take place before the election result. While we do not really discuss the election, it is mentioned briefly. Our conversation is remote and a few audio glitches may show, but the conversation is simply too good to not be shared. I'm honored to welcome photographer, cyclist, father, Santa Cruz local, Chris Corona. With his love for the bicycle and exploring roads and trails, Chris's photography and words resonate past the images. His technique is organic, authentic, and comes alive at the intersection of purpose. In his recent project, a series of half portraits, Chris is sending a message one photo at a time. We are not whole until we are all whole. Chris wants to remind us to stay involved with events that are happening in our country and communities, to speak up, to take action, and to keep the disenfranchised at the forefront of our minds and at the top of our feeds. Speaking with Chris is like speaking with an old friend. Our conversation dives into the pandemic and the dynamics with our family and the process of moving forward. We discuss the inequities of our culture and racism and how vital it is to not stop talking, that we are at full momentum right now, and let's keep this going. Interestingly, but actually very fitting, our conversation moves towards a spiritual tone with the discussions of awakening and how we respond over the next few years will dictate what we leave behind for our children. I hope you enjoy this as much as I did and that it may inspire you to stay engaged, to expand your understanding and your heart as well. Hello. Hey, Jen. Hey, Chris. How are you? Good. How are you doing? I'm doing good. Thank you very much. What are you up to? Um, I just snuck into my van because that's going to be the best place for sound. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. I snuck into my closet because that is the best <laughs> place for sound. <laughs> Funny. So what uh what what did you do today? Did you have a good day? Uh yeah, it was good. Um so let's see. Today I did school with Christopher and then he had picture day, so I had to uh take him over to the school house and they had like this interesting kind of like drive up and like it was almost like a car wash for picture day. Like you drive up, the kid gets out, they walk through the picture op and then you pick them up on the other side of the the picture studio or whatever and then you're gone so um and i took him uh over to fremont to go do a swap with his mom so she took him for a few days okay so we're kind of getting he's six uh he's gonna be seven actually in a couple weeks he'll be seven on november 20th (laughs) Um, yeah and then so like it's really it's it's quite interesting times right now because uh, Abby's pregnant with uh, my third kid, Abby's second kid. And, um, 
And so we're just really trying to navigate the whole COVID exposure thing because Christopher goes between households and, um, you know, his mom's pretty conscientious, I would say, but it's just still out of our control. So it's like, you know, it's just this, it's a crazy time. It is a really crazy time because it's there. You, you just said it like there's so many different dynamics, whether it's with work, whether it's with, you know, different dynamics of family. Um, I'm not married, but I do have a son and granted my son is, you know, he's 18, but you know, he still has another family, his father and his father's family. And, Mm -hmm. and, you know, I here in Chicago and I'm, I'm very, you know, we're very masked. I have my COVID bubble. And to be honest with you, Chris, I have not extended out of my COVID bubble since COVID began. Like I have not hung out with any other friend, if you will, except for, um, my two besties who are down the street, uh, James and Michael. Mm-hmm. And that's kind of who I see. And my son has his COVID bubble. And in fact, we just spoke this evening. He's eligible to move on to campus starting in January. Mm-hmm. And of course, he wants to. Of course, he doesn't want to be at home with me. Of course, just like anyone at 18, he's ready to just be done with this. And but I was like, let's just slow down for a moment. Let's think about this. Let's walk through it together as a family. And, you know, because I want him to be part of the conversation. He's 18. I don't want to be just like, no, you're doing this. And this is how it's going to be. Uh, yeah, we're going through it. Like, because, you know, we're trying to figure out how to incorporate visitors with uh, the new baby into our juggling mm-hmm. act. And so it's like there's, you know, Abby's family is from Florida. So you know, they're, I would say they're pretty conservative considering, uh, you know, they live in Florida where, you know, there's a lot of anti-mask culture, but, uh, you know, her family's, I would say more in uh, line of thought with the way we think out here in California. Um, but it's just, it's just interesting to see some of the variables that people don't really think through when you're trying to incorporate them into a household that has already kind of got their little system going. And, mm-hmm. um, and then those variables end up being something like, Oh, you really are worried about that. It's like, well, I mean, yeah, it's life or death. Um, mm. So I don't know. Yeah. It's, it's interesting. I, I've really um, I've been really stressed out about it uh, just because I want to, I mean, we've come this far through the pregnancy that like um it would really be a shame for one of us to get sick and then we'd have to change like so much of our birth plan and everything that we do. So it would be a nightmare. When does um, she do? She's due December 1st. So that's like, I mean, <laughs> right around the corner. So. Oh my um, gosh. Yeah. So uh, yeah, I mean, we got everything in place and um, you know, I think it's just a matter of knocking down each milestone as we get there and Part of it is going to be my last visit with Christopher will be on his next rotation back to this household and he'll stay here for probably like six or seven days and then he'll be gone until we say coast is clear with the newborn. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, you just don't know like what's going to happen during birth. I'm hoping for everything to just be perfect and then it'll be fine. But, you know, it's just, it's a lot. I mean, I wish it was just simple, but it's not. That's a really, I didn't realize 
that it was uh, your baby was coming that soon. Yeah, yeah. And so I got uh, Christopher, Oliver, and then baby girl due in December. And we're still uh, on the fence on names. Uh, mm-hmm. We kind of have a little bit of a name picked out, but we're just holding off to see her and actually make sure she fits the bill. So we'll <laughs> to be determined. So, to be determined. I like that. Yeah. But uh, yeah, so then that's going on. And uh, I did uh, a nice photo shoot a couple nights ago with the Colettis. And um, it was John does like this, um, not to just cut right from that to bikes, but I guess that's, (laughs) that's what I've been up to. Um, So uh, yeah, um, John does like this kind of uh, custom flat bar cyclocross bike. I don't know if you call it's more like a gravel bike. I don't even know what the heck the difference is anymore, but um, it's, some would say it's like a rigid mountain bike. Some would say it's a flat bar gravel bike. Some say it's a flat bar cross bike. I don't know but it's called a scrambler. And so he just made one for Corey for her birthday. That's his wife. And, um, and I wanted to do like, just kind of like a, like just a a big deal photo shoot on, on the bike and her and all of her awesomeness. Uh, She's a 50 something and she's just full of energy and she's tiny and she's Mm -hmm. super fast and, um, so we went out onto the beach and the bluffs and did a sunset shoot with their new bike and they just launched new kits. So everybody was stoked and it was a good time. Oh, and, right on. Uh, yeah. Yeah. So keeping that stuff kind of in the, in the, uh, progression, so to speak, and, mm-hmm. um, still doing work with, uh, photo pace. We're starting to get into a nice little cadence with, uh, rolling out, uh, blog posts and little projects here and there so that's been kind of fun um, I think we'll probably be switching a little bit of like our roles around uh, as I go into this kind of baby mode where I'm not going to be able to hang out too much and work on that stuff too much so some of the other guys will be taking up some of that responsibility which will be nice a little break mm-hmm, mm-hmm. With photo pace, then each of you, because there's about, and correct me if I'm wrong, there's a good amount of you, like, I think seven or eight of you, or nine, eight. involved eight. eight of you, yeah. mm-hmm. involved in photo pace, and you each kind of have this amazing contribution to the entire kind of integrity of the whole thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's, um, you know, it just started out, I, I think most people that follow it are familiar with its origin, but it just started out as like a... Uh, DM group that we just kind of got together and would just shoot the shit and it would be anywhere from fart jokes to your camera settings on the last <laughs> shoot and uh, and so it, it's it's been I think that whole conversation has been going on for like three years maybe a little bit more I'm not sure um, but then we just started doing meetups and hanging out and then it kind of started to morph into uh, hey let's make this like a brand or some way of like marketing our photography and so uh, all of that all of those kind of like ideals and whatnot are still in they're being shaped you know by the group but um for the most part we have like pseudo roles nobody really wanted like ceo type titles or anything Mm -hmm. like that so everybody just kind of wanted to keep it as a peer-to-peer type thing but that becomes more difficult the 
more you progress and kind of make money and uh, do things together because there needs to be like some kind of figurehead type organization. So we're working our way through that. But um, for the most part, it's just people are coming up with great content and uh, it's a good vibe. And I think, uh, you know, we're not the inventors of carrying a camera on your back when you're riding a bike, but I think uh, we've definitely started um, creating a little bit of a culture around it, you know, where mm -hmm. it's not about like getting your PR or your uh, KOM or whatever. It's just about hanging out with Buzz, taking good pictures, the vibe of the ride. And there'll be hard rides. There'll be super easy rides, you know. So it just, um, it just kind of depends on what the group feels like doing. And then uh, recently we've been kind of like bringing in people from our, you know, our other friend circles and stuff. And um they've been contributing huge like with some of their photography and their words on blog posts and um so you know we're trying to really just uh get a good organizational um uh, structure to it that way we can make something out of it you know that way we can have like you know good contributors that we can expect things from regularly or new contributors or, um, you know, we've, we've got a little bit of a concept going on right now about a spotlight yeah. where we will um, spotlight uh, people that we pay attention to and, you know, do like an interview type thing with them and take photos of them or take their photos and feature them. And it'll all be on the site. And, you know, we nice. got prints dreaming of prints and, I don't know, just tons of tons of dreams in there. And I think they'll all come into play as we just kind of sit tight and plug away. Mm, I love that. I like how you just said like tons of dreams in there, because I feel that in my opinion, there seems to sometimes be, you know, let's I need to do this. It needs to be this way. It needs to this needs to happen. And this is what I'm going after. And maybe if we just throw the dreams and let them kind of simmer and be and happen, you know, and just have fun with it. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that's, you know, often when we meet up, uh, like on a zoom call or something that's important, like a decision that we have to make as a group that's important to us. Um, you know, we kind of, I don't know if we run into band politics so much, but it's just kind of that kind of feeling a little bit, you know, but um, I think what we all really get from each other is um, we all defer to each other's specialties and allow that person to take that specialty and do what they do best with it and not get in the way of that person doing that thing that they do best. So um, I think that's super important when you have eight brains doing one thing, because um, if not, then that's when you get all these weird little tug of wars happening and stuff. So, mm -hmm. um, but yeah, I'm, it's, it's good. I, I really feel myself um, kind of going into a little bit of a pause with it just because I'm going to be having some life priorities and stuff, but um, hopefully they, you know, it'll all carry on well. And then when I come back probably in the springtime or something that we can just yeah. keep rocking, but COVID's really impacted a lot of what everybody's doing as anything, but this particular group it's impacted a lot because 
you know, they've had um, usually, I think like two years in a row, they've done it so far. And this year would have been a third, uh, kind of like a summit where um, PhotoPace would get together and do like one big event together. And last year, their biggest one was the SF to LA, where they rode from obviously San Francisco to LA, but they did like, you know, just these massive days and all of us were able to contribute or, or participate in some way, shape or form. I met them down in Big Sur and shot them for the day and it was so cool. Um, but this year they're, they wanted to do uh, Yosemite to Las Vegas and uh, just between fires and COVID and just all this unpredictability, it ended up, um, getting canceled and then they morphed it into another event that was uh, pretty pretty good too so you'll mm -hmm. probably see something roll out on that here in the next few weeks i hope um oh so you guys haven't rolled out those images yet mm, a little bit yeah there's some images yeah. have but um the we're doing kind of like a, a bigger story behind it and um and we're just kind of working on putting all the pieces together so that it kind of comes out in one nice package here in a, in a few weeks. So, um, it's, it's cool. I like the thing I like about my thing is that I get to kind of plug into all the members and say, what do you think about doing this? What do you think about doing this? And just kind of getting everybody's feedback on it. And then, you know, taking these different approaches at making something, uh, larger around one thing. So, um, you know, and then we can even do something smaller too, but, um, it's, it's fun. It's so much fun just to kind of uh, plug away at stuff like that. I really enjoy like building the, the site pages and, and the, the really cool thing I get to do is I get to look at a lot of images that people have taken that haven't hit Instagram, that haven't hit their mm -hmm. own personal websites or haven't been shared. And so I'm like, man, I can't believe these people are sitting on this stuff that just like gem after gem after gem after gem, you know? Um, and so this is our opportunity to feature that stuff and kind of keep it in a timeless, like a time capsule of sort on the site, you know, where people can go look through galleries and whatnot. So, oh, um, I love it. I love, love, love what you guys are doing. It's really great. The site is beautiful. Thanks. Yeah, we've, that took, uh, that took a lot of, uh, I think we worked on it. We started working on it in March and then, um, just like voting and, in a sense voting like just saying what do you think about this what do you think you know and getting everybody's contribution for photos and everybody's contribution for words and do we want to do this do we want to do that and so then we kind of got a little bit of product together and so then we held off a little bit longer till the product arrived and so yeah it's it's a uh, you could tell that i'm stoked on it and i think mm -hmm. we all are um stoked on it which is great um and i think that some of the members that are kind of like waiting in the wings right now when they kind of take over the helm you're going to just see like another resurgence of new ideas and just a change up so to speak you know and it's going to be a, a really good way to keep everything fresh and rotating and stuff so right um, on. yeah right. now i expect to see a lot of newborn baby images <laughs> <laughs> yeah hopefully not on photo pace <laughs> baby pace <laughs> um yeah the that will definitely come um that's a that's a a fun little thing to do it definitely passes the time when you're just sitting in the living room with your newborn the entire time so oh my gosh that's yeah. so cute 
it's good it, i like looking i'm looking forward to the images of like christopher holding her and ollie holding her and that those kind of things i think will be fun so i want to kind of dive into beyond photopace your current uh project that you're working on and you've been working on it for some time and it's where um you are taking Half, not correct me if I'm wrong, because I don't want to put words into your mouth, but you're taking half of an image of an individual. Yeah. So um, let's see. I'll, I'll give you the whole background front to back. And um, those that are listening have heard this probably a billion times, which is perfectly OK, because I think it's very important that we uh, keep tuning ourselves into uh, what's happening. Um, but the photo project originally started, uh, with one image I took and, um, it was of Cree and, um, we were in Yosemite. He was, it was at the end of a ride, super tired and grumpy and all that good stuff. And I just got a really raw portrait of him and had edited it a few different ways and, the start of the project started with editing his portrait this way, which is a half portrait of the person's face. And the message, where I got the message from was I was watching a, a protest in Oakland and someone was holding up a sign that said, we are not whole until we are all whole. And uh, so, yeah, I mean, just kind of like merge those two things together. I don't, those aren't my words. I, you know, I, I just felt like it was an important title to what's going on. And um, really what, where it's gone is uh, just been this ongoing project of me kind of doing like a little mini interview of the person I'm shooting and basically talking about um, how we've lost, seemingly lost a lot of momentum or could lose a lot of momentum if we don't stay on top of it towards racial justice, equity, um, racism in general. And uh, basically with, when I started kind of putting this stuff together and the ideas together, um, I had talked to Bicycling Magazine and uh, the lady there was kind enough to kind of help me through uh, a good, just a more regimented interview and uh, a way, a microphone basically to, to put all that stuff out. And so they, they published uh, maybe like 10 portraits with each person's words revolving around the, the, the topic, the interview topic. And um, and then from that, um, I, you know, I vowed in that article that I, the, my portion that I wrote, that I would continue the project for as long as I could find people that wanted to talk about it and wanted their face to be uh, published. And so it's been ongoing. I think I started it, gosh, let me see when I started it. In July, mid-July, um, I've been shooting the portraits longer, like prior to that. So I would say I started it in May. Um, and mm -hmm. then the portrait started rolling out in July and then the bicycling article came out shortly after that. And then it's just been this ongoing thing where if I'm hanging out with my buds and we're riding or whatever, I'm like, Hey, can I take your portrait? Would you want to do some words on this you know, project I've been doing? And majority of the time it's been a yes. And, um, so those things have been getting published and, um, 
it's recently in the last one I did on Boris was probably minus the stuff that I saw in bicycling magazine was the first time my account had actually been kind of attacked by the all lives matter mindset. Um, mm. And on the bicycling article and their blog that they have, Oh my God, it was just like on the bicycling mag post that they did. And then the, their actual article has like a, a comment section that people were just constantly like, there's no racism and there's no racism in cycling. Uh, get this political action out of here. We don't want your politics. It's just about bikes. And, you know, um, really, I think it highlights just how much of our country is still in that mindset. So um, I, I noticed that just recently with, you know, Boris's post was this guy, you know, he, his comment says, his first thing is he comments on the fact that uh, Boris wrote this really long thing and it says wall of text. And then he says, let me guess in summary, things are unfairly stacked against minorities because white people who rule incidentally hate them all underneath it all. My advice is accept the playing field for what it is, rise above it. People will say mean shit. Others say nice shit. Not realistic to expect only good shit. How you react is up to you. Never accept the role of a victim because at that point you're already a loser. That's my two cents is what he says. And so, you know, my takeaway from that is that one, he didn't read all of what Boris had wrote. And so he jumped mm -hmm. to his assumption and he even says that right in his body of his text and um you know for me like I, I think that is exactly the problem is that we're not listening to what's going on we're not paying attention to what's going on and i think if you were to listen to the cries of people that are getting fucked up every single day that you can that it, it moves something inside of you to actually do something that is important for them that that moves you out of your comfort zone so that you can help these people right so mm -hmm. um you know I've found more often than not with this pro with this project that people just come at it so freaking uninformed and so unwilling to do the work, just a little bit of work to read what's actually being said and then to allow that to make uh, help them make a better decision in their day to day, you know. Um, and so that's just been my charge. My charge has been to post one of these pictures every so often and just get people looking at it. And yes, I'm going to get the, oh, here comes another fucking half portrait, or I'm going to get, here comes another half portrait of another person that doesn't look like they would be, uh, supportive of this kind of action. If they're, if someone is looking at it stereotypically, right. And then they would read their words and they would read that how it's affecting them and how different they look from, from this person or that person and how, you know, just within my little community, right. I've been able mm -hmm. to reach this many people and get this many opinions. And all of it points to one thing. People need to fucking listen. People need to pay attention. People need to see what they can do to help further and amplify black people and uh, any, any person of color for that matter, if they're being discriminated against for, because of the, the color of their skin. Um, I'm Mexican and I've never been that I know of, I've never been discriminated against in my life. I've never like 
lost out on a job opportunity or anything like that because of this color of my skin that I know of. Um, but, you know, going through my, uh, going through my walk of life through the military and I, I'm still a government worker. Um, you know, I've, my mindset has changed and, and hopefully evolved more, uh, as I've gotten older and, um, you know, once again, another, another post that I just did recently was about what's changed my mind about racism and, and why I find it so important to eradicate it is that I see how it's going to impact my children when they grow up and the mindsets that they will take on and the world that they're going to live in and, and all of that, you know, and, and just to see how it's going to impact them and how like people are like just straight up getting murdered for no fucking reason. Um, I, I don't want that to happen to my kids. You know, Brianna Taylor was a baby, just like my son, you know, just like my daughter to be. Uh, and she fell a victim to the failures of our society. And like, what's, why do people think that's not going to happen to them? Like mm -hmm. these people just straight up walked in her house and killed her. Like what, what makes people, because you live in a special neighborhood that that would never happen in, or, I mean, I don't understand. So, um, the dialogue is exhausting. Mm -hmm. Um, but I feel that it's super important that we keep all of it at the very forefront of our minds and at the top of our feeds at the, wherever that is, it needs to be there front and center all the time, because until those people are made whole, none of us are be mm. none of our future, none of our generations beyond us are going to be, I mean, if you look at the fires in California, the fires in Colorado, um, a lot of what's happening to our environment, just the, shit's melting you know there was some like record temperature everywhere but i think in like the antarctic or something this year um where our, our world is changing and our kids are going to inherit that stuff and i'm not i'm not trying to say that i'm just some crazy like super environmental guy but the thought of it really kind of scares me that, that it could happen in their generation that just these more dramatic events are going to happen more frequently and the violence and the, and, you know, we weren't able to breathe regular air for what seemed like months, you know? Um, so I don't know. It's, it's, it's scary shit. And I mean, I'm doing what I can just in my day to day, living my life as best as I can. And, um, you know where where do you think and i'm definitely going to uh recap a little bit of what you just said because it is so important but your um your passion and drive do you think that that was has this stemmed from childhood has it stemmed or did it kind of really get kind of ingrained once you started having a family because I I have to tell you like I don't know why people can't just accept that the United States 
was built completely and is founded on systematic racism. Sure. And I, I, if we can just admit that, I know I've admitted it. And if we can just talk about that, begin to heal and fix it. I, I, I'm like at a loss when people are just so blind to it. And I'm like, but these are the facts. This really truly happened, you know? Um, And it wasn't really that long ago. 1950s was really not that long ago. The 1960s was really not that long ago. I did a Friday ride and a Saturday ride back to back, two different individuals. And we did this um, route through Chicago that kind of took us through the race riot route. And you know what? It was not that long ago. Mm. And it's, if people could, I don't know if it takes everyone to literally take their bicycle and pedal their bike to an exact historical moment of an individual and then imagine it and be like holy crap like this is this is like really this happened here it, this happened here yeah. this happened here the bronzeville area the black belt of the early chicago area where the black community can only live in this certain part you know this was a really real thing and it wasn't that long ago and if we can just start to, it, it really drives me crazy. And I just don't understand Well, so where all of, sorry. Go on. So, so the first, first couple things is you just kind of uh, jogged my memory on a quote that I had read was that um, this, the U S was built on stolen land by stolen people. And um, the things that I've learned in the work that I've done is that the work that it takes to understand and feel empathy for those people that have been capitalized on and continue to be capitalized on uh, through whatever means, whether it's systemic racism, whether it's just outright hatred, whatever, whatever that is, how those people are capitalized on and, and made money off of and, and so on and so forth. The things that I've learned is that the people that don't want to listen to the truth or don't want to change their mindset, they won't do it because it directly affects how they would have to live their day-to-day life. And they're too fucking lazy to change that. They're too lazy to relinquish their, uh, their right to go hunt ducks. And I mean, I don't mean the stereotype or whatever, but just what, whatever that is. I mean, whatever that culture is of people that carry guns around and uh wear hunting camo and have truck nuts on their trucks and i mean just whatever that culture is but those people that are white privileged people in whatever uh space that they occupy saying that a black person is their equal or deserves as much or more makes them have to give up their riches and mm-hmm. at this point in time, and that's my understanding of it. And, and so like, I just think that it's easier for them to say, what the fuck are you talking about? I'm not racist. I, I have, mm-hmm. I have two black friends. They're great. They're awesome. They're, they're great people. And they don't want to really hear how people are actually suffering. It's not like, it's not like people are making up their suffering. They're not just walking around and enduring all this shit and going, 
oh, let me just fucking make it up because I want somebody to feel bad for me and cut me a check for 20 bucks. Like, I don't think that's it. You know, it's not that. And, and, and I think that there's just this, um, there's just this culture of people that uh, don't want to look inside and don't want to change that little bit about themselves to have a broader acceptance of more people and, and, and give everybody a fair shake at everything. Um, yeah. I mean, I don't know if I'm articulating it quite as well as some of my other friends would, but, uh, that's, that's, what's on my mind, you know? And, um, I work in a heavily privileged, uh, workspace. Um, I work around several people that, you know, just really value their money and value their posh home and they value, you know, whatever that is that, that is so important to them, but they don't, they're not realizing that all of that stuff can be expired in a blink of an eye. And that's Mm. just with the devastation of a catastrophic event, you know? And, and so what do we have after we lose all of our China and all of our special, uh, TVs and video game systems and whatever. What do we have? We have nothing but the culture that we're living in to rebuild. And if our culture is completely divided and uh, doesn't want to help each other out, then I mean, I-, I don't know. I mean, that's that's a whole pipe dream kind of nightmare vision I have. But um, I'm feeling it. I'm feeling it. Yeah. I, 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 yeah, I've been kind of thinking to myself a lot lately about, um, you know, such as myself, you know, I, I am a female and, you know, and I am white and I do believe that it's important for me to be humble enough to recognize enough no matter how I was brought up, no matter how things have been, there have been privileges because of that. And the greatest thing that I can do is begin to acknowledge that and not take it personal, not get mad and be like, well, I wasn't born into this and blah, 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 and realize what it is that I can do. And some of the greatest things that I've been doing is, um, so there's this one poet that is just amazing. And her um, name is AJ Monet. And um, she is putting together all of these events. And one of them is um, bringing as many um, black poets as she can. And then one day she had this um, Instagram live where she had the author to the vagina monologues on mm-hmm. now the author to the vagina monologues that was a wildly popular um play back in the day she is white and so her and aj were speaking and they had this beautiful rapport and this friendship and the woman said something that was super great because um aj said hey you know what can our white sisters do you know, you're white. What can they do if they're really, truly wanting to be of service and of help? And um, she said, um, be the wind, be at our backs when the wind are, is coming. Mm-hmm. Just be there. You don't always have something to say. You don't need to always say something. 
just be, be there. there. Yeah. And ever, you know, once listening to that, that is like been my, my thing. Like, how can I constantly be there? How can I constantly just not stop talking about it? And that's why I wanted to kind of have you on because, you know, with what you're doing and like you said, you know, when you might post, maybe it's one a day, maybe it's once a week, maybe it's once every, you know, two weeks. It's definitely, you know, um, more than that you haven't stopped the conversation and it's not going away. And I don't want the momentum to die. And I noticed that it has started to slow down on social media and I want to keep the momentum going as much as possible. We haven't, it's still there. Like we haven't gotten rid of this ugly racism. It's still there. And I don't want to stop until it's gone. Right. I mean, and I, I think that, you know, the, the more people that we impact and the more that we, um, the more that this kind of mindset spreads, that at some point it will reach a critical mass and then it will be pushing, it will make that other, the, op, the opposition, it'll make that a, mi- a minority and you know, where it's no longer acceptable to even have like these weird micro aggressions towards mm-hmm. a race, you know, like um, one, one thing that I was cued into that I never ever thought of, you know, I grew up in the hood. Uh, we lived in Riverside and super ghetto area and, um, you know, was, you know, are you going to ride your bike through there? Oh man, don't get shot, you know? And, I, I never really thought of that as like um, a racist type statement or anything like that. Just because, I mean, when I ever ro- I rode my bike through my neighborhood, I was worried about getting shot. But um, just the way some people say it, though, um, generalizes and, and puts people in some form of a stereotype. And, um, mm. you know, I. I I don't know where I, I don't know necessarily where I was going with it, but oh no, where I was going with it was that when even those types of things start getting pushed out and and those are no longer part of our dialogue and our way of communicating about certain things, I think when when the culture starts shifting and things improve um, to a space that now we no longer have that stuff going on, I, I think we just have a cleaner a cleaner way of living. And it kind of that leads towards like, you know, is it possible to eventually go to the next level? You know, not I'm not this huge religious person, but I'm definitely um, one of the spirituality, Mm -hmm. if you will. Mm -hmm. You know, is there something greater, you know, with our higher consciousness? What if collectively we came together in humanity to make humanity better? Like, is it that impossible to do? I mean, I don't, I don't see it as an impossibility because it's, it's, it's once again, it's a matter of uh, spreading the thought, right. And, and making, making the thought more commonly incorporated into people's lives. And, um, you know, you and I were talking not too long ago about awakening and, um, you know, the word spirituality 
that rings in my head as uh, there's just so many things that kind of come to mind at this point in our conversation right now, which is um, my understanding has been religion is man's interpretation of God and spirituality is one's direct connection with God. And they, you could be spiritual in a religion, um, but it's, I think your connection, your communication with God, and and I use God as a very loose term because I don't really hire power or God, uh, she, he, Mm -hmm. it's not what we continually pin it down to be, right? It's, It's just, let's just take it as an elevated form of consciousness, um, something that's faster than our flesh, you know, uh, something that is beyond uh, what we are encapsulated in, in our bodies, right? So something well beyond and just bigger. And my connection with that, my highest thoughts, my highest way of being, my highest... Um, everything that's just elevated is my connection with God and how I am able to communicate that to the world around me is my impact of that highest thought being sent out in a message to those around me. And so when my feeling is, is when we tie ourselves down to specific religious thoughts and rituals and stuff, we really miss the core teachings of that religion and it becomes i I was born or i was baptized catholic and i went through catholic school as a kid and you know kneeling down at church was miserable you know and Mm -hmm. how how are you going to have a direct connection with god when you have to sit up kneel down on this thing and it's painful and read these books that you have no clue what they're saying and but I mean, Jesus had very truthful teachings, right? And so, mm-hmm. you know, I think that if we dive into those teachings and if we dive into those uh, thoughts and have a more relevant uh, version of them in today's society, um, I think that it would be easier to live those things instead of being so tied down with going to worship and pay money to a church. And that that's a whole nother way of thinking. I, I realize that. I don't know. I don't even know if that's the way you think, but ultimately my point is, is that a lot of, a lot of people that are racist are Christians are, um, you know, they're all these different religions and they, the, the core teaching of what they go to church every Sunday and learn about, they're not acting that out in their day to day. And they're not, they're Mm -hmm. not giving thought to the fact that Jesus was a person of color, you know, and they're not, they're not giving any of that stuff a thought. And, and so they're, they're out in the world doing their shitty shit and, they're not really taking it back to their man's interpretation of what they're trying to do. They're, they're, so I guess I'm, I'm getting a little tongue tied here. Um, but ultimately I'm following you. Yeah. I, I, 
I think that um, the awakening that needs to happen is upon us. It's probably going to take some time, but that awakening is occurring in this very moment right now. And it's how you connect with this present moment that I feel the reality of what we really are will start to show itself in this moment, not in the past, not in the future, just in this present moment right now and how you share it with people, how you enter into people's nows and share it with them. And if you're ridden with conflict because you're so torn by the past or so worried about the future, then you're really not entering into the now with somebody in a peaceful state. That includes myself. I mean, I have so much shit going on in my life right now that I, I'm not fully here right now, but you see what I'm saying? I, I do. And it's, it's very well said. And, you know, we can definitely, I could just go on and on about that. I went to Catholic school for a little bit of time. I absolutely um, did not like it. Um, and I think growing up with things and seeing things and going through things, for me, when I bring up spirituality and awakening, is this idea that if we could all kind of realize you know, step out of ourselves for just a moment and almost kind of expand completely outside of the universe and gaze down at the planet and realize that this planet is just this whole beautiful planet and we were all completely part of it. And if we could all just kind of realize that in some sort of way, I just couldn't imagine just the, the, the power that could come from it and the healing that could come from it. And you touched upon it a little bit about, you know, with people who have certain money, which, you know, I'm not here to talk negative or positive about money because money is necessary to pay our bills and to get through life and to be a part mm -hmm. of life. But at one point or another, it's going to end, right? Like there's going to come a point in time where you're taking your last breath. And I don't think anyone's thinking about what's in their checking account. No, right. No. I, I think what they're going to be thinking about was, was the life that I lived the fullest? Was the life I lived full of love? And did I give all that love that I can give? And if you're giving love and you are love, then there is no room for just absurd bullshit. Right. I, I, that, that, yeah, I mean, this conversation's great because it brings on so many thoughts uh, in my head. Um, usually, what the way I feel about death is if we live our lives distracted from the moment that we are one breath away from, and all of us, I think we all live our day our days as if we're not going to die. I don't really think it's a, a reality in our minds um, until something close to us happens. Then we go, Oh shit, man, I could have, that could have been me, you know? Um, and then maybe it makes us take a pause and reflect a little bit, but then we go back into our noise again, day to day, day to day, you know, just constant, this constant stream of next thing, next thing. Oh, I got to get here. I got to get blah, blah, blah. And so you don't really think about dying and, and I think that dying is when they say going to heaven and when they say, 
going to hell and this person doesn't deserve to go to heaven and this person doesn't deserve, you know, all this stuff that, that we've built around it. Um, I'll never forget, you know, when one of my friends had a uh, family member friend kind of uh, situation had passed away when he was on his deathbed, you know, he had, <clears throat> he had come to a realization in his mind that he was no he said, I am no longer my name. I am just a man and mm. I, I am going to die and it's perfectly okay. You know, and, and like, but what I think he meant by I'm no longer my name is that he's no longer all of the ego that is associated with his being walking through life. You know, he is now getting ready to expire and now he's becoming more comfortable with letting go of all these things that he has touched throughout his life. And, you know, he got to say goodbye to everybody. He got to, you know, see everybody before he left and all that. But the realization, he was a bit of a cartoon character, right? He was a bit of a guy that like had a lot of personality and stuff and very mm -hmm. at the end there that seemed to kind of leave his body. And uh, same thing happened with my grandfather when he passed away. You know, it's it's just this this moment that you are your energy is leaving your body, and um, all of the stuff that we think is so fucking important right now really is not important anymore. I mean, it's just not. Mm -hmm. I mean, yeah. And and we we while we're here, while we're sitting here yapping at each other the whole time, telling us telling each other what it's going to be like when we die, even though none of us have ever died before. I mean, maybe a couple people have, but, uh, and then they come back, but uh, you know, while we're sitting here, Hey Jen, uh, when you die, you're going to go to hell because you didn't put money in the jar when you were at church. Da, 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 da. It's like, well, how the fuck do I know? I didn't go to hell. I didn't go to heaven. I didn't, I don't know what any of those places are like, but mm -hmm. I think that the bigger message is, is how much weight do you have on your shoulders when you die? How much are you going to have to let go of and, and, and realize that, that, uh, or worry about it before you die, you know, worry about, Oh, did I do that before? Oh, did I, did I work? Did I, oh my God. Oh my God. Oh my God. Oh my God. Mm -hmm. You know? And so, but the more free you are, when you hit that moment, the more present you are, the more in tune you are to that moment. I feel that, your transition is going to be more peaceful and more gentle because you're not holding on to everything so tightly because you're so worried about what's going to happen when I leave, you know, you're more just yeah. at peace with whatever happens happens. Um, I think that the more in tune we are to right now, the more in tune we are. And I don't mean like right now, like, I mean, right now, right now. I mean, the more in tune mm -hmm. to this very, very present moment as we keep going into the next one, into the next one, the more in tune, the more present we are, the more, the more uh, in tune to our breath we are, the more in tune to the person sitting across from us we are to determine whether or not you need to be spending that moment of now with them or not, you know, um, that yeah. the more in tune that we are to that, the less baggage we bring to our deathbed or the less baggage we bring through life i mean we're just living mm -hmm. we're just being right we're just human beings um absolutely this being to evolve and if you think about it you're like well what because i've been on that kind of spiritual quest lately for a long time what is it that i'm trying to evolve to and i i want to say it was a few years ago 
where I just felt like I was constantly unhappy, where I was just like, I'm not where I need to be, right? I always used to be down on myself. I'm like in my late, I'm now 44. I'm in my late 30s, early 40s, and I shouldn't be financially struggling. I should be this way. Look at all of my other friends or look, they have, you know, I was constantly of this mindset. Until one day, I literally said out loud, I'm like, the only person that's telling you that your life is so wrong Mm. is you. Mm -hmm. There is no one else. In the moment I thought that, I was like, what really is your problem? Is, Is your problem that because you're not having a million dollars or whatever safety net of finances. Yes, that would be nice. Is that really your problem? Because what I've learned, especially the last few years of, you know, the work that I've done freelancing to, you know, working at, you know, Rafa and Rafa thinking that that was going to be my career and I was going to expand with them. And then they had their um, global layoff. And I was unfortunately one of those unexpected layoffs. And I was like, all of a sudden I was in that position. I'm laid off from there. I couldn't find work for over six months and I had to collect an appointment, which then sent me back forever, you know, on things. And then I realized I was like, you know what? Nothing is guaranteed in life. Mm. You can have every job, you can have a bank full, and you could unfortunately, God forbid, maybe have a fire, you can have a layoff, you can, something can happen and you lose it all. And I realized the greatest asset that you can have is not in your bank account, it's not what's sitting in your garage, it's sitting right inside of yourself your mind and soul and what you're offering to your children in the world. And ever since then, I have felt I'm completely rich. Mm. I'm not rich on paper. I'm I'm like far from it, but I don't care. Like all of a sudden I got completely giddy and I've been like doing this amazing meditation that I do every morning. And I just feel that maybe we're being taught the wrong things in school. Maybe we're concentrating on the wrong things in school. And again, I'm not here to say that money is bad and that, you know, trying to apply yourself for the greatest thing is bad. What I'm saying is, is to make sure you just keep things in check. Yeah, I, I agree. Is, yeah. It's, yeah. I, I mean, a, a lot of what you just said resonated with me in the sense that, um, you know, I, I, I think I'm really lucky. Um, I have a a decent job. Um, and I am lucky because of all the shitty shit things I've done in my life. I still landed myself in a place where I have a partner that is, um, full of joy all the time and we have kids and our house is bumping constantly with kids <laughs> stuff and you know all that all that stuff and you know what you just said to me made me reflect a little bit harder on my contribution to that and i always feel like i can improve i can improve i can improve and i always find myself settling on and this is a fault of mine is settling on the fact that i'm 
a billion times better than my parents were for my kids. And mm -hmm. it's still not enough. It's still not enough. It could still be better. It could still be improved. And my quest externally outside of the household has taking has taken a front seat in a sense that I feel that I want to reach other people and impact their minds so that they um, change their mindset towards uh, people of color. Um, but mm -hmm. when I turn myself inside to my home, you know, I think about how I love my kids and, um, you know, I, I guess, yeah, I, you're right. What's inside, what's, what I'm giving to my family is more important than my bikes in my garage or my cameras or, um, and so that I think is just purely time. That's what we're given our kids and our and our loved ones is just straight up time that's the thing that we got to give them and so thanks a lot jen now i have to stop instagramming so much <laughs> no <laughs> I have to you get have off to, instagram that ever. <laughs> no, no but it's because... true like you know it's it's really true the the something that has just kind of hit me right now is how important it is that we give our families this quality time. I mean, that Abby's always telling me that all the time. She's like, Hey, you know, let, let's put that down for a little bit and let's, let's focus on this. Let's focus on this. Let's focus on this. And, you know, it's always me kind of splitting my day up into two where I'm super, super focused on this thing. And then I'm super, super focused on this thing, but I'm only giving like, I'm not giving a hundred percent at each thing at one time. So, um, yeah, I don't know just uh <laughs> no Chris I'll tell you what you, you know it'll happen and I'm sure people have told you this a million times and I hated it when people told me but I don't know where it went he was um, a year old three years old nine years old 12 years old and then before I know it he's now um will be uh, 19 years old this mm. spring and it happens it happens very fast and the contribution as far as what you offer to the greater good comes in many forms. It comes um, through, you know, being a, a good partner, which you are, a good father, which you are, and then also a good friend, which you are, and then through your creativity as a photographer. And that's where you are touching people. And you're touching people probably that have not reached out to you that are looking at your words and that have resonated. And that's where that type of um, creativity, artistic entrepreneurship is so important and it's more important than ever and having that carry out. And so keep going, please don't stop. <laughs> yeah. You know, just because I said, you know, about family, um, you know, family is our earth and our responsibility. And you had said it earlier about our earth, right? They represent what will be when we are not yeah. here, right? It is my job to teach my son how to be a man, a human, not just a man, but a good person. That's my ultimate goal right now. If I cannot do that, and I have failed completely and I just need to walk off to the woods like a dying cat. Right. <laughs> yeah. I, I think that's, it's just an, 
an all encompassing everything, every, every facet of how we live our lives is just, this is, these are the things that we can improve on, but, you know, taking it back to the one thing that I think that, um, really got me thinking good the other day when we were, uh, messaging each other was, uh, this awakening that we're coming upon and what that means to me. And um, I think I'm ready for it. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm ready. Yeah. I'm ready to talk to like-minded people. I'm ready to uh, shed the people that are not ready for it, you know, and um, maybe they'll find me when uh, they are ready for it. And um, I'm ready to let go of all of these um circumstances and grudges of people that are that have held me back in time i'm ready to that all that stuff is just it's not needed anymore what is needed is just to keep surrounding ourselves with people that want to move forward and love each other i think i think it's just the time it's just time you know and i take it a step further the the people that are racist and the people that are um really in a bad mindset those people are truly suffering the most because they are the furthest down on the evolutionary scale of of their spirituality of spirituality in general because they they can't see past their hypocrisies of how they live their day to day they can't look they can't reflect and look internally and say oh, wow, damn, I didn't realize that that's affecting this person in this way. I need to stop that. I need to change that. Um, and until they do, until they do that work, I think they're, because they're in that place, they're the ones that are in hell, so to speak. If we want to talk about hell, you know, that's that's where hell is, is when you, when you are living your life like that, when you're, uh, God, I, I, I don't want to talk about the election so much because it's just like, it's it's really mm-hmm. a very hard thing for me to think about right now but i just watched like this video of a rally of a of a of that guy's rally and um you know some of the things those people were saying i'm just like do you they just look so unevolved it's like this one lady is like sitting there wearing a microphone and yelling at this one lady about wearing a mask and saying that she's you know she's a sheeple and you know just going and like screaming in her face and the lady's just like interviewing her and holding a microphone and going like yeah you know it's like i don't know is just so profound i don't know where i don't know where it stems from i really like i don't it's it kind of just really pisses me off (laughs) listen to me i'm like that their hate pisses me off it does it's frustrating Um, it is frustrating and and what can I do, you know, other than, I guess, continue to speak the truth? What can I do other than continue to lead with love? What can I do other than to lead with support and do what, you know, support people about, you know, such as you and your work that you're doing, right? And continuing the conversation. And that's why I'm so passionate about continuing the conversation, not stopping the conversation. And I have no idea. Maybe people have stopped tuning into me maybe they've stopped following me I'm not sure um, because I haven't stopped talking about it I haven't stopped mm-hmm. posting about it and I choose not yeah to. I, and I, I think will continue. the recipe part of the recipe to success 
in my book is to show up, continually show up and to not let the naysayers get you to a place where you don't show up anymore. I think if you just keep showing up, then things start to shift and people start to pay pay attention. I, I remember just recently this guy messaged me saying, oh shit, I didn't realize that you were lining up all the portraits on a on a side of your feed so that they all look, you know, uniform. And uh, I was like, yeah, you know, it takes a little bit of work, but you know, the, the cool thing about that is that it piqued his interest as to what that whole thing was about. And then he looked into it and then he started liking like all the old portraits that were there and commenting on the commentary that was going on in there. And I felt like, oh, wow, this is even doing its job. It's it's making somebody go into a deep dive and look and see what people are writing and, and reading about these different mindsets about racism, about how they dive deep within themselves to continue the momentum every single day. I've mm-hmm. recently sent off the uh, everything I've done in its entirety to uh, John Watson at the Radivist, and it's supposed mm-hmm. to get published there sometime some in the whole stream of what they got going on but um Mm -hmm. you know that's another place that's a good support you know that he's always in tune to these things and I feel like you know him reaching out and saying hey I want to feature this on my blog you know send me what you got and to me that's more motivation to keep things going you know it's just it's not time it's not time to stop no, it's not time to stop. And it's even more important to keep that um, conversation and momentum going when the emotions are running high to, you know, reach out to people, be like, I'm feeling very emotional right now, you know, and to keep those conversations and the dialogue going and, um, and foster that kind of mm-hmm. caring and conversation. Yeah. So basically absolutely. what we're doing here. What we're doing here, yeah. absolutely, and it's um, I I'm very thankful that you are giving me your time and uh, with your family right now, and um, so I'm very thankful for that. So I just want to um, kind of as we wrap up here, just yeah, say thank you very much. You're an amazing individual, and I look forward to these baby. Yeah, pictures. they're going to be good. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm really excited to meet her. I'm, she's, uh, I, I can already feel how she's changing my life, you know, um, how much of a softer approach I'll need to take towards things and, um, just not be such a hard energy in the family all the time. But, um, at least they, at least that's what they say. I don't know. I mean, that's, Abby says that, that she's going to change me. And I'm like, yeah, maybe, maybe she will be my favorite. <laughs> so, um, but yeah, it's exciting. We're, uh, we're looking forward to getting past the first couple of years and onto the, onto the fun yeah. stuff, you know, but I think there's just going to be a good amount of hard work that we need to do. And uh, hopefully there'll yeah. be plenty of bike rides in there for me to kind of get my, uh, frustrations out and whatnot so there will be there will be and i wish you all of the uh incredible blessings and i'll be 
absolutely in touch and checking in on this new uh, little Thanks, Jen. I appreciate that. And also, you know, I I really appreciate you being so supportive of everything that uh, I'm a part of. And I know that you uh, talk to a good portion of my friends and my group and stuff. And, you know, I'm sure they would say the same thing. Um, And just kind of having that extra support from another part of the country is great it's just another voice that's uh carrying on all of what we're doing and um it's it's really helpful it's inspiring i appreciate that well thank you i appreciate that it's um this project that i'm doing is very uh important to me and um sometimes it's easy to get Mm -hmm. lost with it remember why you're doing it and when you talk to others such as yourself you're like okay that's that's why I'm doing the project. This is, this is why, you know, because COVID or not COVID, um, to me, creating is so important and it answers so many questions to so many problems and issues that we have in the world. It's kind of like, in my opinion, when we have a hard time articulating our emotions and feelings, it's when we look to art. Mm whether it's photography, whether it's a poem, a writing, an article, a blog, a painting, anything. And it reminds us of those emotions that we can't articulate. And there's been so many of those emotions. And um, so I'm I'm very passionate uh, that people continue creating. Yeah, that's good. So keep creating. We'll do. (laughs) (laughs) Cheers, my friend. And I will be in touch soon. Great. I'll talk to you soon, Jen. Take care. Thank you.